0: grateful
1: that you're here with us. We're going to begin with this great song, God is able, he will never fail.
2: church, I can say, happy All Saints Day. And what else happened 500 years ago? On the 31st. It's Reformation Day. So, I don't know if you knew that, but uh, it's on the 17th, um, or or the date was 1517. Martin Luther was the one who nailed his 95 complaints. (laughs) Uh, He wasn't trying to leave the church. He was just trying to Get things right. And we kind of sum up all of that, uh, the Reformation type things of, you know, being saved by grace, not by works. It's Christ alone. We call them the uh, solas, uh, glory of God alone, faith alone, Christ alone, uh, that sort of thing. So uh, there's a lot of history there. And I hope you have a great day today. I know the kids are excited about it. It's kind of perfect weather for for uh, halloween so we enjoy all these things that god gives us and i hope that uh, your week is going well we welcome you to valley uh, a few things to share with you as far as our church family uh, goes first of all uh, global partners christmas we are uh, working to raise up uh, funds to be able to send gifts to our global partners around the world the, the main purpose of that is to encourage them let them know we remember you we pray for you we appreciate what you're doing, and uh, here's uh, something thoughtful. So uh, remember that. Also, Operation Christmas Child in the back. Gene, uh, wave your hand. You can see Gene. And uh, if you'd like to help put together the shoebox to send to some kids around the world, uh, we'll cheer up their day at Christmas with things that they normally can't have, but also give them, uh, show them the love of Christ in printed form, too, that they'll be able to read that. And then if you wanna mark on your calendars the 4th of December, all the guys, uh, we're gonna have a uh, gathering together on Saturday morning from nine to noon. And uh, we'll probably have a continental breakfast and coffee starting around 8.30, and then uh, we'll have lunch to end. And the, the purpose of this gathering is for all our, all our men and any friends that you may have that you think need to be encouraged. And in particular with with guys, and we're not trying to leave the women or kids out, but with guys with the responsibilities of being a husband, a father, a worker, a neighbor, and all that's been going on uh, the last year and a half, uh, we want to provide an opportunity just to to encourage our men. So uh, you are invited. More details will be upcoming. And then um, special prayer. We've got lots of things to pray about, always. I'm sure that uh, you wake up in the morning and things come to your mind that are kind of pressing on you, but things that are pressing on our church. Uh, good to have Dan here. Um, his dad passed away. The funeral service will be this Wednesday, so be praying for Dan and his family. Uh, Shelly Cash, her, uh, her mother is, is not expected to live long. And so I'm going to pray for Shelly, her family, her mom, and then also Kathy Burdick, her brother Eric, is now, uh, they've moved him into hospice, and so he doesn't have long either. So these things, they affect your family in so many ways, and it's just helpful if we can be remembering one another and uh, supporting one another in prayer. Then another big event, uh, Josh and Sarah, why don't you come up here with the kids? Um, Josh and Sarah, neighbors, and... you've not met them yet because I know you know we've had a whole year and a half of uh, COVID and some people come and go and we never get to meet them but uh, Josh and Sarah and this is Allie, Evan and Ross they moved up here six years ago from Phoenix and um, he has been serving and helping with our youth ministry in the church and then Sarah has as well and then each one of these kids have also been helping with the children You've probably seen that. If you've been down to the kids, they're all, they're all doing this together. And um, they are moving to Tampa, Florida. So why in the world would you do that? Well, you know, it's, it's like if God's in it, then God's in it. Um, and so we will miss them. And um, I know the kids will especially miss their parents as they leave. Um, <laughs> so if you don't know, this is, this is our daughter. This is our daughter here. And um, so I think it's like anyone else when we're, we're, not, we're not into building a church. So when a family moves away, it's like, ah, oh. no, we're into building the lives of people. It's kingdom work, it's big picture. And thank the Lord Southwest fl- flies right from Denver to Tampa. <laughs> Diane's already figured all that out. And uh, so now we have them in uh, Tampa, Ross is in Orlando, and Reed and Heather are in near Sacramento, so we just, you know, and we're at the place in life where, you know, we're empty nesters, so we can, she goes more often than I do, because I I thought I do have a job, (laughs) so (laughs) anyway. But we just want to say to each one of you, and when I say that to each one of you, thank you for your encouragement, your ministry here at Valley, and uh, we'll see you often, I'm sure, as you come out to visit but uh, the investments you've made in the lives of people and discipleship and encouraging others. Uh, I particularly love seeing the kids investing in the younger kids. It just its one, one of those things that carries on. So um, we're going to be heading out this afternoon after church. He's going to be driving in the 26-foot Penske, and I, I get the luxury in the Suburban. So we've got, it got about a—yeah, th- if it works. Yeah, we got some <laughs> mechanical things to work through, but— you know that, how that goes. So uh, we'll be driving the next three days. I'll be flying back on Thursday. But uh, I just thought we would, like we do with others, uh, say thank you. God bless you. And uh, I, I think, um, pray that they find a really good um, place for school. I mean, that's a big thing uh, for uh, church, a family, and then friendships. I think those are, those are all very important parts of, of this, this move. So. Let's bow together as we pray. Father, we're, we're so grateful today for your presence with us. And as we meet together to encourage one another in your word and, and the time that we can sing praises to your name, I thank you for the wonderful songs we get to sing. And as always, we come to you with, with gratitude, but we also come with a lot of uh, needs and requests. We need you, Lord. And so we pray for Dan and his family, for Shelly and her family, for Kathy and her family, particularly with uh, the losing of loved ones is, is, is a tough road. And I just pray that you would uh, make your presence uh, known to them, each one of them, and help them through this time. Uh, pray you would be a special blessing to them. I pray as we're raising money for these sweet kids around the world with Operation Christmas Child and then our global partners, Help us to, to really be in a giving spirit, Lord, uh, not just wrapping presents for under the tree, but our whole life would be one of giving just as you have given to us. Uh, make us be that way. And then for Josh and Sarah, for Ali, Evan, and Ross, I, I pray that you'd bless their family, bless their marriage, bless these kids as they grow up to just love you and, and want to follow you. I pray that you'd provide a good place to worship to get involved for friendships and relationships, for schooling, and uh, give us safety as we make the transition and the trip this week. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name, amen. I would
0: also like to say that we will miss the neighbors and we'll
1: miss the uh- meant not only to our family, but to our kids and to Valley. Josh was sharing with me that he works from home, but you still have to get approval if you move, even though you work from home. So Valley's going to start instituting that, too, (laughs) that um, you have to get approval if you move, even though I know the choice is yours, but you still have to run it by your spiritual leaders, and there might be some prerequisites. We'll miss you guys. The scripture reading for this morning is in the 1 Corinthians 13 that we're on, and specifically verse 4, but we're going to read verse 4 through 8. Love is patient and is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not irritable, and it keeps no records of wrongs. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And as we sing this next song, it speaks of God's love. God is our hope. God is our joy. He's our rock. He's our redeemer. This is a new song to Valley. So we'll sing it for you, just the first verse, and then we'll have you join in when we sing it. Just listen to this first verse, the great text, and then we'll have you join with us. Oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer.
2: What God's Word tells us, and I think we find it throughout human history to be true. It is the greatest thing in the world. And so, as if you've been with us for a number of months, you know that we're going through this letter from Paul, the Apostle Paul, to his dear friends in the city of Corinth in the center part of Greece. And the overarching challenge is wisdom, to walk in wisdom. And even though it was written almost 2,000 years ago, it's so applicable applicable today and, and the things that we're going through to need wisdom. We come to this section and I've slowed way down. In fact, I'm not gonna get past the first part of the next verse today. And I'll tell you why, is because When I, when I come to this and I realize the centrality of love and and the need for love in, in every kind of relationship, it is very convicting. And especially as I get into this second section, we start off, love is patient. Now, I don't know about you, but I just feel like, okay, let's move on. (laughs) And then part of me thinks if I stop here, I'm never going to get to the next part. Because I realize I am not, by nature, a patient person. Most people are not. So if we take this section, we've looked at chapter 13, it's, it's really not a digression. It is really bringing everything that he has been saying to the core. And we've broken down the... Chapter into three parts. First of all love is declared the declared importance uh, Today we're going to start in how do we describe it? How, what's a descriptive language of love? And then finally how to, how is it developed? So when we talked about love declared in the first three verses you, you'll remember Here's what we concluded that it doesn't matter what you do It doesn't matter what you have if you have everything and it doesn't matter what you give away. If you don't have love, it's worth what? Nothing. Nothing. That's a powerful introduction to this section because people do a lot of great things and they have a lot of stuff and they give away a lot. But if love is not motivating that, it is worth absolutely nothing. That's why when Jesus said to the young man, what does it profit if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? In other words, you can have it all and yet really have nothing at all. So now the kind of love we're talking about is unique to the Greek mindset. For us, it's a little more common, but I still think it's important us to for us to say there is the love for comfort, the love for things, the love for uh, favorite stuff, uh, holidays. There's that kind of love, and God God wants us to enjoy. He said, I've given you everything to enjoy, so nothing wrong with that. There is the brotherly love, sisterly love. Uh, we have a commonality among each other, and the, the church enjoys that. Neighbors and friends enjoy that. There is the love between a man and a woman that is unique, it's special, it's just between the two of them. And then finally, we come to what is new to the Greek mind, agape. Agape love, I said, has really three distinct characteristics. One, it is unconditional. In other words, it's not, it's not preconditioned on anything happening here. Agape is a choice that a person makes. So it's, it's, it's unconditional, it's sacrificial, it's giving up something, and it always takes initiative. In other words, it's, it's the first step. It's not waiting for something else. So those are three unique characteristics. And when I, when I start in now on the description, you say, well, how do you, how would you define love? That would be another word with a D. So we have it declared, Define love would be this, God is love, 1 John 4:8. So if we defined what is the equality of love, agape, it'd be God, but for us it's helpful to just use descriptive language. And that's what he does in verses four to eight. So this is the section we're starting in on today. And my plan was <clears throat> to preach on four, the first four of these in one message. And by the time I got finished with patience, <laughs> and patience was getting finished with me, I thought I, I just have to stick with this. So if you'll indulge me a little bit, a lot of what I find for, for preaching and teaching is it's an overflow of what God's doing here. I, I really can't do it any other way. If I, if I needed to take some subject and just give it to you because you need it, it'd be really hard for me to talk about it. But a lot of this you know, is gonna be con- very convicting. And it's convicting to me. And so I've got to work through all these questions. of Okay, Matt, how do, how do you measure up uh, as a loving person? And this one is pretty humbling. So here's, here's my conclusion. If you are an impatient person, you cannot be a loving person. Let me say that again. If you are not a patient person, You cannot be a loving person. And if you're not a loving person, your life has no real value. It's worth nothing. So it's pretty important. I think a lot of people would say, oh, I love you, I love you, but they're not patient people. They're not patient people. Remember, whenever I will bring a challenge to you, it's not that God is expecting perfection but direction. This is the way we're moving, that that God is teaching us. If we are to become a loving person, we must learn to be a patient person. So the title of the message is Love is Patient, and I'll try to answer three questions this morning if you're going to follow along with this. First of all, what is patience? Secondly, why is it so important to love? And three, how can we obtain it? So what does it mean to be patient? And you, know, you, you think of um, a, lo- a lot of terms that would describe that, that would be uh, part of your life that you have to endure. <laughs> but if you go back to the Greek mindset and, and you take our English word, of course, it comes from ri- originally from a Greek word or two words. Uh, macro, you've heard of macro and micro. So it's a macro-thumeo, that's that's the word. Combination of two words. Macro means long and um, enduring. It means um, something that is large and extended. It means big. So I'm thinking macro as opposed to micro. And then thumeo means suffering so that's how you'll get instead of the word translated patient is long suffering if you have a king james bible it'll say suffereth long (laughs) okay we don't talk that way but that that's exactly what it's saying is is there are stressors so so the suffering part or the wrath and the stirred up and the the anger and the angst and all this chaos over a, a big long time. (laughs) Say, Wow, I don't really want to live that way. (laughs) But that's the life that we are faced with. And it's interesting that in verses 4 to 8, you know, we're going to go through love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy. Every one of these words is a verb. It's a present active verb. It is not a noun. It is not an adverb. It is not an adjective. Typically that's the way we describe things. So we have 15 verbs, present active verbs. Patience is an action and I, and I really believe that's significant. When we come back to, to how we apply this, it's not just some factor out here that I'm going to say, well, let me tell you what it's like. It's in a verb form. So why are we so impatient? And I think that, uh, Thank you. I'm not impatient. <laughs> Why are we so impatient? And I think our, our impatience comes by the, our words we use. I think it, it's our body language, our look. Um, it, it's uh, our exasperation, it's our size. There are many, many ways we demonstrate impatience. Why are we so impatient? And I've, I've listed four primary reasons. One is as I, as I believe we've lost our view of God that God is good. He is great. He is all powerful. He is sovereign and God himself is patient. He is long suffering. That's the way God is. We were created in his image and we reflect his glory. We should, there should be that relationship that spills over his, what we call communicable attributes. Love would be one of those that it it is communicated to man and woman, to children. And I think when we lose our view of God, we lose our orientation to how we are to live. So we've lost our view of God. Secondly, we're self-centered. Self-centered, (laughs) self-indulgent. You know, I get up every morning and I am the center of my universe. I just have that bent. Now, you may get up in the morning and think about others. I think moms, I would say, if you're a mother, <laughs> that's probably the way you get up in the morning. Uh, so I think our women do a better job at this. But typically, our world are, revolves around us, how everything affects me. And when I'm a selfish person, everything's going to be on my timetable. So. Rather than being Christ-centered or word-centered or God-centered, we become self-centered. So we've lost our view of God. We're self-centered. Third, we have no margin. We have no margin. We have activity back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back. We are in a rush. We are in a hurry. I love the old coach, John Wooden, who coached for UCLA, you know, 10 national championships. He said, be quick, but don't hurry got to think about that for a little bit. But today when you look around everyone is in a hurry. We ha- we have packed in our schedule to numerous things and we're running from here to there and anything that interrupts that which there are going to be a lot of things will cause a great deal of frustration. I've shared this before but When you read through the Gospels, and just this last week, I was uh, reading in Luke uh, chapter 10, and the most predictable thing that Jesus did on earth was he got away. You think about it. The most predictable thing he did was walk away, go into the desert alone, go up on the mountain alone, go, go sit by the seaside alone. He was not lazy, but he chose to create margin in his life because if he had no margin, he could have no relationship with his heavenly father and he, and he could not get refreshed. So when, when we have our schedule packed, we are tired, we are worn out, we are not rested. You're just, you walk around like a ticking time bomb. And I think that's the way we are today. We have life without margin. You notice this about every time Jesus would pull away, his disciples got frustrated. They're like us, we got stuff to do. Why are you stopping here? Why are you going out there? We've been looking all over for you. We got things to do. Folks, this is how we live. And then thirdly or fourthly, we are not walking in the spirit which means just in constant awareness of God, his presence, his word, constant prayer and keeping that communion with him. So we've lost our view of God. We're self-centered. We have no margin, and we're not walking in the spirit. And so what happens? You cannot, when, when you are impatient, you cannot have healthy relationships. vertically or horizontally when i am impatient it's going to stress out my relationship to god and when that's right not right none of the horizontal is right and i think that we fall victim to this for all of the reasons that i had mentioned Now let me just maybe share a few practical thoughts on this <laughs> Through the last 40 years of type of work that I do, I've been in a lot of situations that are high stress. Children dying, suicide, marriages breaking up, um, false accusations with people, being under attack. You know, and, and it seems for me that when those things happen, I'm pretty good at, I shouldn't say this probably. <laughs> I'm pretty good at long suffering. Or being patient through that. So say the, the world just blew up. We just had this terrible thing happen and, and it's something about, okay, <clears throat> I'm, I'm clued in. What gets me are the little things. The little things. And when those little things start creeping into my life to make me irritable frustrated in a hurry um, impatient which which I could talk about my drive-through stories (laughs) going through the drive-through with the family (laughs) that all want to choose their you can tell I'm bitter about it but you know (laughs) they they all want to know what's on the menu and then they want to change it Um, what what is that when, when I'm getting impatient what is that revealing about me I'm a very disciplined person right (laughs) I like to plan ahead (laughs) I wish it reveals that I'm pretty selfish and it really doesn't matter how long it takes to go through the drive-through and what it also does is it it shuts down relationship when I'm impatient So how does it show up? I I think of this, you you can probably identify, though it may not be the same, having one of those days where I, you know, I'll take my, back then I had my day timer, you know, or whatever my calendar is, and and I fill in every slot. Okay. Now you know that your day never goes the way you planned and very, few times will be something be eliminated. So things get added, right? So every hour is accounted for, and then things are added to, and then you're running late and you're just like this. And so I get home, I got to switch cars. I got to run to the airport to pick up my friend. I run around to the back of my car, I open a trunk. Oh, I, I don't have room in the trunk for their suitcases. So I I, grab my golf bag that was in there just in case I had an opportunity, which I wasn't getting much. I grabbed my golf bag and yank it out. It goes upside down. All the clubs come out. By the way, that's how I was late getting to the airport. And, and then the zipper pouch where I had all the extra balls was open. And you know, golf balls don't bounce like a football. They, they, they you know, they boom like this on the concrete. And we have a sloped driveway and it goes into a sloped street. So you've got probably 30 golf balls bouncing like this, going down the street. And I live in a cul-de-sac at the time. I'm in a cul-de-sac and everyone knows what I do for a living. They know I'm a pastor and I'm about ready to come unglued. And I think, Those are the things, like, it's just a little thing. And you know what, in the scope of life, it really doesn't matter. But do you think anyone would wanna come and talk to me about their personal problems at that moment? (laughs) Probably not. Um, I doubt that my kids would wanna ask me a question. They'd probably just all turn around and walk in and say, I don't know the guy. (laughs) But I think that it shows up that way because of those very things that I mentioned before. Not having a right view of God, not having a, a Christ-centered life. I'm more, I'm more about me and I, I have zero margin and I'm not walking in the Spirit. And you say, well, we all have those problems, but I want you to see how, you know, the golf clubs and that kind of stuff, that's not the big thing. The big thing is relationship here and here. And when I, when I am an impatient person, I'm shutting down all of that. If you were to ask me who is the most patient person that you've ever known, it'd be my father-in-law. I've talked about him a lot. Um, he's a very capable man. He's with the Lord now. Even more capable, is <laughs> with the Lord. Uh, Dad Stralo was um, starting quarterback for a Kansas football team. That's back, back when they win some games. Uh, this goes back to the late 40s, early 50s. Uh, played in the Orange Bowl. The Green Bay Packers were trying to sign him out of, out of college. And he chose to go to medical school. Uh, became a surgeon. And this is Diane's dad, of course. And you think, what do we think about dad on vacation? Oh Dad, hurry up. He, Dad Stralo was never in a hurry. When he was driving, when he was walking, when he was talking to someone, he was never in a hurry. And most of us were all in a hurry. And so we would get frustrated with him. You know, Dad, we got to go. We, you know, well, just, just a minute. And, um, and I think back to that you know, how God makes people. And if, and if he's your surgeon and he's gonna do surgery on you, aren't you glad he's not in a hurry? <laughs> but I'll tell you what it created for me. He's a very busy man. I mean, he was the uh, chief surgeon at the hospital and in a small town in Kansas, and he's a very busy man. But he never seemed to be in a hurry. He always had time. He always had time. Now this is what we really see about the life of Jesus, don't we? Thousands of people pressing on him. And he's walking through the crowd and someone touches him and he notices it. The disciples are trying to shoo people away. People with sickness and disease are trying to shoo people away like children that are getting in his way. And Jesus is aware of everyone around him and he has time. There's never been a man with more on his shoulders than Jesus, never been a person that's ever existed on this earth that has ever had more to do than Jesus. And yet what he connected with people is I've got time. And many, many occasions, he says, he looked into her eyes. In other words, I have time and I value you, and what do you want? What do you want? I mean, it's like the whole world just stops. But it's his patience. It is at the very character of Jesus, and what it did is it opened the door for relationship. And that's what God cares about. He was approachable he listened well he would never give up on you so why is this so important for us today we come back to the 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 significance of it. what's the big deal Um, some people say well patience is not my spiritual gift (laughs) we are not talking about spiritual gifts this is for everyone love is the way that's why we in chapter 12 talking about spiritual gifts I want to show you a more excellent way, whatever your gift is, if it's teaching or helps or hospitality, it's what's driving what you do is love. So the big deal is not what your gift is. The the big deal is that love is the motivating force in that. It communicates the character of God. It communicates his commands. Do you remember when Jesus said you can take all the laws in the scripture and sum it up in this? Love the Lord with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. So that's how significant this word love is. Um, God is love. His commands are love. It is what he says. This is how people will know you. So if I ask today, let's just say public opinion. What does an evangelical look like? A lot of people would say they're angry, they're carrying a sign, and they're protesting. That's why even though to me evangelical means I believe in Jesus, I've trusted him as my personal savior, but to the world evangelical is like a political position Tell you what, and I'm not, I don't wanna get into politics too much, but I, part of me really does because I think we've lost our way, folks. We've lost our way as Christians, as a whole. Because when, when you, you look at the scriptures and what the scriptures teach us about how we're to live, the most distinctive characteristic about you and about me is that we love. Above it, above everything else is we have love. And the first one mentioned is patience. So this is the will of God for you, by the way. And when God gives a command like this, it's for your good. And it's for the good of everyone around you. When you become a patient person and create avenues for relationship, This is good for everyone. Vertical, my relationship with God. And just a a, a bit of a side note on this, that you say, well, am I supposed to be patient with God? Well, yeah, sort of, because if you ever get impatient with God, I do. Because when I pray, when do I want it answered? Like right now. And then if God doesn't do it right now, I get frustrated and impatient. Sometimes I quit praying about it. Why do you think God's drawing things out? He has a good reason. In fact, if you go through the Old Testament, you're gonna find that God is creating this long suffering in the lives of everyone. You go back to Noah. How long did it take him to build the ark? Anybody remember? 120 years. That's a long time, and probably Noah is saying, "God, I want, I want you to, let's let's get this going." We think of Abraham, how long it took for God to fulfill His promises. You think of Job. You have heard of the patience of Job. James says. Not David. And Joseph. So, learning to wait on God in patience, God is a God of patience, and I learn to wait on Him, and He creates in me a greater dependence upon Him, which makes me stronger. When I'm when I'm leaning on myself, I'm not strong. Let me just share this one verse: Second uh, Peter three and verse nine. Listen carefully to this. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise. Did you catch that? The Lord really isn't being slow about His promise, as some people think. No, He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but He wants everyone to repent. I've heard so many people say, I just wish the Lord would come back. I just wish the Lord would come back today. So is God being slow? No, He's being patient because he wants every single person in this world to believe on him. So all they have to do is to believe, to trust in him. So his patience is one born out of love, which to me is incredibly, incredibly powerful. You cannot have a good relationship in your marriage without patience. You cannot have a good relationship with your children, your neighbors, your coworkers, and others. Love without truth has no message. Truth without love has no audience. Let me say that again. Love without truth has no message, but truth without love, has no audience. God has placed us on this earth to represent him. His character is one of patient love. And that is the character we should be demonstrating as well. And my prayer is this, that the first thing they think about us is not a political position. And I'm not, don't misunderstand me. I believe you stand up for the things that are right. But if if it's not done in love, we're, we're losing ground, folks. And I, and I feel as a whole in our nation that's been happening to us. It's my opinion. So how do I obtain patience? Because to be honest with you, I can tend to want to give up on it <laughs> after so many times of failure. How do we obtain patience? Well, the first statement is this. It's impossible without God. You cannot have a God-like quality in your life without God. God is love, God is patience. And so to detach your life from God, it's impossible for you to ever show that kind of character. So for you to just try hard, you know, there was a time when I would look at this, okay, love is patient, love is kind, okay patient. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be patient. And someone comes in quiet. I'm patient. Working with patience. <laughs> and, then, and then today I'm going to work so hard at being kind. I'm going, to, I'm, going to be, I'm going to be really kind today. It doesn't work that way. It's not like you create this list and, and you work really hard at it. No. When you have a relationship with God through his son and walk with him daily imperfectly you will by nature become more and more like him that's just the way it works it's something that flows out of the heart this is what needs to be changed not trying to put on patience or put on kindness it's The more you get to know a patient God and love him and appreciate him and grow in him and the more your life is filled with his word the more you become like him so just remember most commands that God gives um, are impossible they they are impossible commands without him and he gives us what we need first he gives us an example Christ The most powerful man on earth, the most wise man on earth, the most capable man on earth, the busiest man on earth, always had time. He was patient. So he gives us the power of his example. He gives us his word. He gives us the avenue of prayer to ask for help. And he gives us his spirit and his grace to work through these things. So here's how will conclude this, even if you can do everything and give everything, or, or have everything, if you do everything, have everything, give everything, but do not have love, it's worth nothing. Love is patient. So I've just kind of listed five, five ways in conclusion we get to patience. Number one, slow down. <laughs> Say that to your kids ever, slow down. I would say stop, but no one's gonna do that. Slow down and give thanks. Give thanks to God for how patient He has been with you. You know when I stop to think about that, how patient God, He should have torched me a long time ago. I'm serious. I I deserve so many disciplines from God. He has been so patient with me. That gets you into perspective. So slow down. Give thanks to God. Center your life in Christ. In other words, the center of your life is not me. It's not, hey, world, I'm the center of the universe. No, the center is Christ. And when when you're centered in Christ, there's freedom. Number four, create margin. Now, this is something you can do. You can go home on Sunday, take a look at your week, and I know, I know no plan ever works the way, but, but if, if you don't create margin, you're gonna keep on starting a week with back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back to back to back to back events. You're added other responsibilities, you're running on edge, you're running on fumes, you don't have the energy, you're tired, you're worn out, and you're ready to blow. That's just a practical thing, but this is what Jesus practiced. The most consistent, Thing that you can see through the gospel accounts is away to the desert, away to the mountain, away to the sea by himself. And everybody else is going, What are you doing? So create margin. And then number five, take action. Remember, every one of these is a verb form. It's not something I react to, it, it's something I d- decide to do. Love is something you do, it's not something you feel, even though feelings will always follow. Primarily, agape is something you do. You act this way. And i tell you this, that when when we have Christians who are patient, to me it opens up for healthy relationships, for friends, for family, for marriages, for people. And it also continues to develop our relationship with God. Probably we should stay on this one week after week, but we won't. I promise. Next week we'll be on kindness, but this, to me, um, I'm probably going to take the whole message on kindness, of how this is described as the love of God. Father in heaven, we're so grateful for your word, and while many times like this uh, we feel pretty low because we we fall short, and yet. We know that this was written for our good to help us. So I pray that you would help us to be like our Heavenly Father and like the Lord Jesus, patient. And that that would be demonstrated in our thoughts and our actions at home with others, and that we might represent the God we love and serve. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Would you stand, thanks, Matt, for the teaching and preaching this morning? We began the service with "God is able."